Welcome to Annie's Pink Chair, where we bring real, raw, relevant issues to the table from a woman's perspective with wit and wisdom. Sex trafficking is absolutely real and it's going on across the country, across the entire world. And you guys, you know what? The stats say there's at least 20 to 50 million, we don't really know the number, of people that are enslaved today across the world in human trafficking and sex trafficking. I have a very special guest today with me. His name's Eros from Adaptive Ops. And this man has such a story, and I want him to share with you today about how he got to form his company and what they're doing to stop sex trafficking. Eros, it's so nice to have you today. I'm so happy that you're here and you're in our studio because, you know, a man to represent this hideous crime, to stop it is such, such an awesome, you know, I think encouragement for women because we all know that a lot of human trafficking, yes, it's boys, it's men too, but a mm -hmm. big bulk majority is the female population, right? Yes. Definitely. So can you tell us who you are and what you do? All right. Well, <clears throat> so I am Eros and I founded Adaptive Operations. It's a 501c3. Uh, that wasn't the initial plan. I had initially started out in this direction in politics as a, a new freshman in college at BYU-Idaho. I had studied social issues and I studied terrorism wow. and human trafficking. Right. After that, everything else became blurry. I just didn't care so much for any any of the other topics. Oh, because when you learned about sex trafficking, it lit mm -hmm. you up. It did. <sighs> so that so, was, so, so, I was spring of 2009. Wow. And I focused on, on diving into human trafficking as well as terrorism. And, and I started educating people about what was going on so at that time. Can you tell people what human trafficking is and why you're so heated about it? What's your definition? that you would mm -hmm. consider? <laughs> that is a difficult uh, uh, thing to, to explain because the legal definition of human trafficking must be very um, focused into a certain area. And, and it is, it's, it's basically, um, you know, pretty pretty honed in yeah it's the coercion it's the mm -hmm. it's the force and force, fraudulent fraud and activity mm -hmm. into into enslaving a human being into work or sexual labor whatever that mm -hmm. labor is and controlling someone and confining them basically yes you're but not myself, free anymore but myself i see it as even some dirtbag online talking a kid out of a photo a pedophile yes a, a pedophile. See, you're getting lit up now. I see it. You're getting lit up right now. <laughs> yeah. They take that photo and trading it off to their buddies, you know, so that they can go do their thing. I mean, they're, they're masturbating to little kids. Whatever. And, and, they're, whatever. And, they're, and they're paying for these photos, too. It's disgusting. Yeah. Yes. If they can get it, they'll also sell right. it. And, and the, on the dark web. Yeah. Or, or, or just normal chat rooms and stuff, too. And, 
and they, they get caught. You know, it does happen, but, but there's a lot more of it going on than it was getting caught. And so in my mind, they're trafficking the images of that right. child or right. that, that right. person. Yeah, they're, they're exploiting the image of that child. <laughs> so, so to me, I see, I see that as, as trafficking. However, at the same time, uh, I don't want to diminish the impact mm-hmm. of the, the survivor that went through the, the gorilla pimp the, that was the brute force trafficking. Right. Um, so I don't want to minimize what, the ter- what trafficking actually is when that happens. Um, and, and that's going on, but not, not as, as much as, you know, the exploitation of the images and traffickers, they, they tend to be cowards yes. on, the, on a larger scale and they're, uh, they want to protect themselves. And so they, they just want to try to get away with, with right. exploiting. And, mm-hmm. and you know what, though? The thing is, is that the, there's such a wide range of trafficking from the exploitation of just a picture of someone, mm-hmm. the pedophilia of that. And then all the way to the spectrum of being locked somewhere as a prisoner. We, we were talking earlier about one of my friends and they had chained her to the bed because she tried to escape and they were teaching her a lesson and they beat her down. And, and so that's, those are two extreme definitions or circumstances in trafficking, but they're all labeled trafficking, right? They're all mm-hmm. labeled exploitation. Yeah. So you got really lit up because of this arrows and, I mean, there's got to be that fire inside of you for the, the justice that needs to happen for you to do what you do, obviously. So what led you? You said you, you took political science and then you were learning about trafficking. And then what, mm-hmm. ha- what was the next step? Uh, once I completed my, my undergrad degree, then I had gotten invited into an intelligence program for my master's degree. Ooh. And I've it, always wanted to do something like that. It was super Woo-hoo, cool. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, every single class was about CIA. the different ints, whether yeah. it's signals intelligence, human intelligence, right. uh, um, uh, operational intelligence, everything intelligence in that, that program. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a lot of fun uh, t- letting my imagination and, and my research focus go into developing skill sets mm-hmm. and. And then I just realized I, I need to be in the field. I, I was originally just going to be somebody working in D.C., in helping make the lives of our law enforcement and military men safer and more efficient in, this, in these, these two areas. And uh, then I, I started training and started realizing I can actually do this. And, uh, and then I ended up entering a, once I completed that intelligence master's program then I had a school approach me and offer me a a scholarship to do a a PhD in criminal justice and homeland security they wanted somebody that had an intelligence master's degree to come to the curriculum and so I went that route and and uh, then I it all ended up organizing into adaptive operations and you know, I mean, I get lit up, as you pointed out. But pa- the, you have passion. There is passion. At the same time, yes, we have actually pulled victims out of the, out of the fire, basically. Um, 
But there's an element that I really don't talk about much. And that is who's drawn to adaptive ops. I am having a massive amount of men from around the world, really, that want to get involved because wow. to them, they're seeing this message and here's what, they're, here's what they're seeing and feeling. Do you want to be a protector or a predator? Right. And our society has made it so easy to become a predator. Yes. And, and I, I think men are being drawn to doing something better and, re- and fulfilling who they really are inside. And, right. And so, God's created them to be. Yes. And so that's what, that's what my trainings are about. You know, I go and I bring these guys in and do orientation training. And, mm-hmm. and then we train at, at all different levels. And, uh, um, and, then we, and then we go out and actually do the work too, the, the very best we possibly can. There's something I do need to say, first, <laughs> first of all. I know your story. I read your book. Um, for me, I know this is, you want to, you're interviewing me here, but, but it, it's coming from somebody that's been in the field for the last six years. I am so proud of you and what you have done. And it gives me hope when I'm working with, with survivors, even, even direct victims while they're going through the situation. It's like they can... They can do something great. It is not lost for them. Yeah, they're not limited. And you're the epitome of that. Yeah, you've got, I, I appreciate You've done some that. great things. I appreciate that, Earl. You know what? It, it's not. It's not easy. It's not easy. But mm-hmm. you know, trauma is real and pain's real. So the the thing is, for me, what's real is you can recover and you can get better and you can function and you can actually help other people eventually. Mm-hmm. You know. And of course, we don't want to do that while we're totally losing our mind and we're, you know, we're not able to function because we've been through so much. But if you can get to that stable place and start healing, man, God can just use you. (laughs) I mean, he's using you right now. So I I just wanted to kind of go into that space where you started Adaptive Ops and, and what does, uh, you know, what made you like, I mean, you, you had this passion and this fire lit up inside of you and you just wanted to do something. It's, it's, it's like you wanted to, you've seen it happen and you were like, I'm on the sidelines. I want to be someone, I want to be a, a protector mm-hmm. and not an observer. Cause that's mm-hmm. also to me, sometimes a predator in a way, because mm-hmm. if you're turning a blind eye, it's like a lot of people have done that over the years. Right. Mm-hmm. And I like to say this because I'm a huge fan of Marilyn Monroe. I feel like she was one of our very glorified sexually exploited women in in the media and they used her tossed her around and then they, she was murdered i don't care what anyone says she didn't commit suicide she was murdered there's so much different evidence saying and pointing to that fact but uh, for me it's a fact I mean, other people might not be but to have a human being be so vulnerable and sexualized over sexualized like that and then just our society just turning their heads oh well she was a whore. So let's get the next pretty girl. It's mm-hmm. like, no, that's not. I mean, mm-hmm. even there's a guy in Hollywood, Corey. You ever heard of Corey Feldman? 
-hmm. So Corey oh, yes. Feldman and his friend Corey Haim mm -hmm. uh, were both exploited in right. Hollywood by mm -hmm. different men. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the names, they, don't rep they, they have not revealed them, but there's been several that they've revealed. Mm -hmm. And Hollywood's not happy with him right now. But I'm right. like, go for it, Corey. Yes. Get I, the truth love, out there, brother. I love that he's telling this That's story. right. That's right. Mm -hmm. he, I, I've met Corey. Um, unfortunately, Corey, uh, at the time, we were both at a nightclub, and it was actually here in Las Vegas. And I told him I was a call girl, and he was like, oh, my gosh, what is that? Mm -hmm. I mean, what are you doing? And like, he was shocked, like, huh? Oh, and wow. he yeah. never tried to pick me up or anything. Yeah. But all that to say, that was going on, and that was like in the, in the early 90s. Okay. And I, I think he was kind of at the height of his career back then. But um, I remember oh. meeting him. He was such a kind person. He yes. was not like, I'm Hollywood. Don't talk to me. He was super sweet. And mm -hmm. we were just having a drink at the bar. He probably doesn't mm -hmm. remember me, but I remember mm -hmm. everything. Because I was like, that's Corey. That's Corey Feldman. <laughs> it's a shame that, that we've lost Corey Haim. Yes. You know, and, oh. and, and I, I believe that it was that his depression, everything he dealt with was yeah. from what he went through. So mm -hmm. hold that thought. We're going to be okay. right back, you guys. You're going to want to hear exactly what Eros does. I want him to tell us what he does and what his team is capable of to put a huge dent in the evil and the atrocities of human sex trafficking. I'll be right back. Today we talked about my friend Eros and what he does with the organization Adaptive Ops. Eros goes in and helps rescue human beings out of trafficking with an intelligence. And he does it undercover, kind of like the CIA. Think about James Bond type of undercover work, which is so needed with the trafficking community. I remember when I was being trafficked, if I would have had someone like Eros in my life or an organization like Adaptive Ops, I truly believe I could have gotten out so much quicker if I would have known there was a way to get out of sex trafficking and away from my abusive traffickers, knowing there was a place to hide and to fall and to lay my head and to know that I was going to be safe. I wrote my book, Fallen Out of the Sex Industry and Into the Arms of the Savior, and this is my memoir about being sex trafficked on the Las Vegas Strip as a high-class call girl. Yes, I said it, a high-class call girl. If you think trafficking is not happening in the high-class escort industry, you are highly mistaken. It's actually where a lot of it's happening. Just go to hookersforjesus.net and click on my book and purchase it today. Thank you. Welcome back to Annie's Pink Chair. I have with me here my friend Eros from Adaptive Ops. And Eros, we were going to talk about what exactly does Adaptive Ops do? That's, you probably do a mm -hmm. lot, but yeah. give us an example. Okay. Well, I guess before I tell you what we do, it's really important that people understand how I got to this point in doing what I'm doing. I've gone through a lot of education. I taught criminal justice for a couple years taught new new students how to become police officers you wow. know so i understand the criminal procedure system and and the judicial system it's important to understand that side of it and if you want to come if you want to come into this and have 
the rescue mentality. Yeah, like Rambo. <laughs> yeah, Rambo it's, went rogue. It's probably not going to happen, you know, and and, and it's not, it's not like what people think it right. is, and like it's romantic and like glamorous, and yeah. oh, it's it's a movie, yeah, taken, you know, yeah. yeah, and it's not, right, yeah, and and in the United States, it's um, it's very complicated legally mm-hmm. to be able Absolutely. to do what I'm doing and not and not break the law and not break it, right. it, it, it go against anyone's civil rights or. Or not step right. on any, or interfere with any investigations. And, sure. And just understanding how to treat uh, each case as, as a crime scene. Yes. And, and preserving and protecting evidence. Mm-hmm. And, and then, uh, but to, to help people really understand what I'm doing, the best way to uh, explain it is I'm uniting families. Mm-hmm. And not just any families. Uh, I go, I take the cases where the person is most likely at risk of being trafficked. Okay. And it's, it's the cases where law enforcement have tried, they don't know where else to go, and, they, and the case is not quite cold, but pretty much to that point where, where nobody else knows what to do other than just declare... Uh, they're they're declaring public assistance to help with the case, and I contract with the families, and then I continue on the search. And um, my r- skill sets and research methods mm-hmm. come from the intelligence community, and and I've a- as a private investigator in the past, I was a, a very busy private investigator Mm -hmm. and so surveillance was a natural thing for me to be able to do and you know what it's really important that you share that because i think a lot of the families with the the victims they the victims don't know their victims Mm -hmm. and so that's why i think the police and private investigators even have such a hard time of getting evidence because they won't give it or they won't give it up or they won't mm-hmm. present it or they won't admit that they're doing anything wrong or that they think they're doing anything wrong or that, oh, that's my boyfriend or that she's my good friend and they're not, they're, they're my employer. They're here to help me. You yeah. don't understand that yeah. do everything to protect them. I mm-hmm. did that with my ex. I did everything to protect him. Yeah. Lying through uh-huh. my teeth. Yes. But, but in, in that hinders investigation, mm-hmm. any charges being filed. Mm-hmm. And so having the family come in that cares about that victim to come in and go in undercover is probably really, it's pretty ingenious. Like it's deep, yeah. deep cover. It is, yeah, it takes a lot of social engineering. You know, you're, you're not only just doing surveillance, but you're communicating with people who are connected to identify, is that really the person? Is that the missing person? And then once you find them, now what? Right. Just like you said, You've got to they're watch not going to go with you. Right. Because they're, if you, in fact, the very first victim, so, so I, I, if somebody's in the situation, I refer to them as a victim. They're being victimized at that time. But I, afterward, they're survivors, right? right. That's the way right, I, right, I right. look at it. And, but if they're, the very first victim I, I dealt with, I had gotten her um, away from the trafficker. And I asked her, I said, so that place you were living at, 
I can't imagine it being very safe for somebody like yourself. And I could tell that she wanted to tell me what was happening to her, but she couldn't. She needed that plausible deniability because she was going to be dealing with him again. Right. Soon. Right. And I knew at that time I didn't have the resources or the capability to help her. What was I going to do? Take her to my house if she says that she needs help? You know, I didn't, it, back then, I didn't know what to do. Even the shelters, are, they have a difficult time dealing with trafficking victims if they're not specialized for emergency. So right, it's very yeah. difficult. Yeah, because once they're checked in, is we've, we've taken a, a victim into a, a DV shelter, a domestic violence shelter for some protection. She triggered out? <laughs> No, her, the the bottom the yeah, the bottom, bottom registered in yep. came in and, and, and recruited her and started searching yep. for her in there and uh-huh. and so she ran out the back and and it called nine one one and and claimed an emer- medical em- emergency and then and then contacted us by, when, oh, when she's in the God, hospital. Thank, thank God, thank God. She yeah, did and then that. we got her in the hospital. See how narrow? I mean, this is like a movie. Like how are mm-hmm. how are these victims supposed to escape? When everyone's, everyone's got eyes, they're looking. For, I mean, that's one thing that I remember being on the strip. And I was just saying this the other day. I was, I was barreling through red lights mm-hmm. because my trafficker was chasing me on the Las Vegas trip. And he was in a car that I bought with the, with the moonroof open with a, with a Glock just shooting yeah. at my car. Yeah. And I was ducking and I was ra- running through the red lights. Yeah. And I, got, I escaped him. But the problem is, is that... I knew he had runners and other people looking for me. There were other right. girls in the industry mm-hmm. that were looking for me that mm-hmm. were going on calls. Oh, I just saw Fallon. She's at the Hilton. She's at the Los- now it's not the Hilton anymore, but okay. she's at the Flamingo Hilton. She's at the, you know, she's at the Bally's Hotel. I just saw her yeah. on the 10th floor, you know, and all of a sudden you go downstairs and the traffickers right there. What do you do? Uh-huh. It doesn't, it, it, they're so crazy. They'll, they'll go beyond security. They think, oh, yeah. they think security guards are chumps. They don't yeah. care. Yeah. So, yeah. It's really important that you do that work, Eros. That's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a, such a, an important component because what if you're not there and that client or that victim is not, you know, is not being watched over and then they just disappear again? Yeah, they Now you'll disappear. never find them right? Mm-hmm. because no one's watching out for them. Mm-hmm. So I really, I, uh, that's really awesome. Adaptive Ops does this 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 what would you call it intelligence um investigation and it's a delicate web like you're you're supporting the family and the victim and even if the victim doesn't know that what you're doing is supporting mm-hmm. it's not like you're spying you're just you're there going hey i'm here yeah. hey like you said to that victim it might not be too safe where no, you're at, right? No, no, it's not. So I, I'm an executive protection agent as well. I've done uh, executive protection work for some big names in the industry, and and um, and and I still do it. Uh, and so I've taken those principles as well into this. And and one thing I will tell you about one of the things that I do. Um, you train people. Yes, we train people. You're going to train and, us at Destiny House. Yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, but one of the things I'll reveal to let you guys know, which I don't really talk about this much, but on air, you know, since... Everyone be quiet. Since I'm here for you. <laughs> um, so we're searching for the missing person. Mm-hmm. When I locate them, 
I don't necessarily approach them. You know, I, I figure out what's going on first. Yes. You know, I keep my clandestine. I'm not going to blow my cover yet. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to figure out when they're not going to be an eye shot at the trafficker, which is rare, almost never. And then when I figure out that pattern of when they're not with the trafficker, then I bring in a family member. The family member is the protectee. We take the family member to them. And this is mostly toward young adults. Mm -hmm. And then we create a concentric circle of protection to keep the traffickers or anybody away while the family member is trying to talk them out. Right. And, 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 and we, we convince them adaptive ops has resources and, and not just protection, but formidable protection. Right. Like some of the best protection you could possibly get. Like a witness protection program. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah we, we're going to protect them. And you're going to bury them so that that person, while they're still hot, is, is not going to be able to find them until right. they're safe. Yes. And until will. they move on to the next victim because that's what they do. We're a dime a dozen to them. That's exactly right. And if they see adaptive ops, and this has been my experience, if if the trafficker is confronted by adaptive ops, their thought process is they got the wrong girl. They have the wrong girl. Mm -hmm. They're just going to let that one go. They're just going to let her go. And they're going to go to the next one. Drop it like it's hot. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they're afraid. They don't want to be pr- uh, prosecuted or, or arrested. No. Yeah, it's a I mean, business. trafficking's doing 20 to 30 to 40 year sentences right now, which is awesome. Yes. You know? Yeah. And I, I just want to thank you, Eros, for explaining. I know you do so much more. You train, you, you, you do the intelligence, and you, you team up with families, and you, you go into, and, and you have the families approach, and then you, you're there for that support and that, that top secret, we're going to hide you now and get you the resources you need. And you said men want to join what you're doing mm-hmm. and they want to join and then, you know, don't be too gung-ho and try to do everything. But right. what would that look like? What's your website and how can people get in touch with you on social media and your website okay. so they can, they can volunteer or, or join your organization? Yes. So it's Adaptive Operations. Oh, sorry. Adaptive Operations is the name of the company. AdaptiveOps.org is the website. AdaptiveOps.org. Yes. And I, I typically utilize the Adaptive Ops Facebook page okay. for, for most information or training. I do. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes, and, and so you can follow me at Instagram. We are a nonprofit organization, so we rely on donations. Yes. So, yeah, you well. guys want to donate to Adaptive Ops, please do. I mean, Eros is doing a fantastic work. Eros, thank mm. you so much. Dude, listen, I, I, mm. I, I feel like this was not a long enough time because <laughs> I really wanted to ask you more questions. And, okay, you're going to come and train us. Self-defense, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. whatever else we it's need so for our property. Yeah. yeah. And for our staff and the girls. So it's going to be two different types of training. So we mm-hmm. don't trigger out our clients, yes. but also our staff mm-hmm. is well prepared for any type of crazy stuff that could happen at Destiny House property. Mm-hmm. So I just want to thank you again. Um, you're doing mm-hmm. incredible work, Eros. And mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're going to be totally praying for you and for thank your team you. to grow. And whatever cases you're working on now that you're, you know, safe and everything. And, and uh, you know, we need more men like you in the world. We need more men that want to protect. And we do appreciate you and we honor you for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And we thank you so much. You guys, this mm-hmm. is incredible. I, I just, 
I'm blown away. Adaptiveops.org, right? Adaptiveops.org. Thanks for joining us today on Pink Chair, and we'll see you next time. Would you please consider partnering with us monthly or just send us a one-time donation? Just go to our website at hookersforjesus.net and click on Donate. And listen, your donation goes to a good cause, and it's tax-deductible. Thank you so much.